What's going on guys, it's your boy DJ Skinless here and we're back with another video. For this one I'm going to break down the conspiracy that rapper Lil Half Dead had Tupac Shakur killed. Let's get it. Alright guys, so I don't really cover a lot of conspiracy theories involving Tupac because I believe it was Orlando Anderson, the crypt that Tupac beat down at the MGM Grand. However, I've been getting a lot of comments here about different conspiracies and one of the conspiracies is that Lil Half Dead, another rapper that was signed to death row throughout the 90s, actually had a vendetta against Tupac over a song. So here we got an older article from 2015, the title reads, Former LAPD detective proposes a new theory surrounding Tupac's murder. So this is about Detective Russell Poole, which he actually died in 2015 from brain aneurysm I believe, but this news actually came out several months before that actually happened. So one of the theories is that Sharitha Knight was facing divorce from then-husband Suge Knight. So this article says that Russell Poole was convinced that the rapper's death was orchestrated by Suge Knight's ex-wife Sharitha Knight, a former head of security Reggie Wright Jr. Per the report, the alleged shooters were both Danny and Malcolm Patton, the latter being the alleged writer of the confession letter and Lil Half Dead, a rapper, a fringe member of Death Row. Shakur was fatally shot at the intersection of Flamingo and Koval. Suge Knight was reportedly struck in the head with a bullet as well, though it would not be kept at the hospital following the drive-by. In May of 1996, Lil Half Dead released his second studio album, Steel on a Mission, which debuted at 59 on the Rap RB charts. The Long Beach, California MC, referenced by Snoop Dogg on Snoop's 1992 song, Lil Ghetto Boy, allegedly had a vendetta against Tupac Shakur for penning elements of Tupac's breakthrough single, 1991's Brenda's Got a Baby. Then we got this article on Hip Hop DX, which goes over the same thing, which goes on to say that Poole theorized that one of the shooters was Lil Half Dead, a Death Row affiliate. Lil Half Dead is alleged to have sent Tupac a demo of his album that included Brenda's Got a Baby. And then here on Boxing.com, says the aspiring rapper passed Tupac his demo tape, though he didn't hear from the rapper again, he heard his own words in the radio form of Brenda's Got a Baby, Pac's breakthrough single. And Lil Half Dead was a rapper that worked with Snoop Dogg on the album Doggy Style in 1993. But then when you look on other articles on WCNN, you have one guy saying shit's completely crazy to me, Lil Half Dead shot Tupac, has he ever addressed this claim? And then you have another commenter saying sounds like complete bullshit to me. Another one says, LOL, exactly what I thought, not credible at all. Half Dead would have never been able to pen a song like Brenda's Got a Baby. Duke could barely come up with three coherent 16s. Then you have another one that says, There's also multiple rappers who claim Tupac stole Dear Mama from them. One is Kill Kill from Watts. We all heard his diss to Tupac. The other is Damien the Demon from Michigan. He's actually a guy that Tupac got arrested for swinging a baseball bat at. And this was actually in several specials. And here's a brief clip here. I love for Tupac. Why would I shoot Tupac? He ain't did nothing to me. Where do you think this... This rumor, this theory came from. I don't know. I don't even know out of all the people in the world why he pulled my name out there. He, he mentions uh, the name of the Patton brothers, uh, Malcolm Patton and Danny Patton. Don't know them. Don't know who they are. Never seen them. They can walk right past me right now and I wouldn't know who them dudes were. Yeah, I heard that it was about supposedly Brenda's got a baby. And when Brenda's Got a Baby came out, I wasn't even in the music industry. At that time, I didn't even know Pop. It never mattered. No, until he came around death row. So what do you guys think? Do you think Tupac stole the lyrics from Brenda's Got a Baby from receiving a demo tape from an unknown rapper at the time? Here's a clip from Mozy, which worked on Tupac during the Thug Life and Me Against the World days. I know doggone well, half dead and still no damn song from Tupac. You, you, gotta, you gotta be kidding me. You know what I'm saying? Come on. They write completely different stuff, man. Come on. They think I'm lying. Oh, wow. What reason would I have 
to lie about that. Like, I'm not even connected to it one way or the other. There's a number of friends of mine. Pac, Yacht, Half, Snoop, all they, they my homies. That's the, the only thing I got to do. So I wouldn't lie for nobody for killing Pac, man. That was my brother. I wouldn't lie for nobody. And you put somebody's life in jeopardy putting a rumor out like that, man. You got people all over the world talking about, you know, giving half uh, death threats over something that's not even real. Brennan's Got a Baby is a song from Tupac's 1991 album, Tupac Now. The song features R&B singer Dave Hollister singing background vocals. The concept of the song is about a 12-year-old girl named Brenda who lives in the ghetto and has a baby that she can't support. The song explores the issue of teen pregnancy and its effect on young mothers and their families. It's common knowledge that Tupac Shakur wrote the song while filming the movie Juice after reading a newspaper article about a 12-year-old girl who became pregnant by her cousin and then threw the baby in a trash compactor. And here's Tupac's co-star from the movie Juice, Omar Epps, detailing how Tupac came up with the song. Pac was writing his first album and I remember the day when he wrote Brenda's Got a Baby. So we were on set one day in the morning, early morning, and he had the papers and sometimes we would chill out in each other's trailer. And he was just so bothered, like I think a woman had like thrown a kid down the incinerator, like something horrible, right? And just Pac was just so troubled like the whole morning. Like how could, you know, how could a woman do that? And blah, blah, blah. And so a few hours later, he was like, yo, oh, come here. And he starts kicking his rhyme. And I'm like, listen, I'm like, yo, that's dope. When we were in, uh, we were in Oakland performing somewhere and he came through and we sat on the tour bus. He was like, yo, you got to listen to the album. And he played this album. And when I heard that song, it hit me like, yo, this is from the article. I just, I'd never seen anything like that. And here's what Tupac had to say about the song in a rare interview. What's up, Tupac? What's up, man? Yo, I, I got a question. You know that video you made when you do that, when that girl had to do that baby in the dumpster? Yeah. What inspired you to make that song in that video? I was reading New York Post when I was doing the movie Juice, and um, it was this story. It started out to be this big story about this family who died because they didn't have heat and they left the gas on. Everybody died except for this girl. She moved in with her cousin, second cousin. She started dating her second cousin. He got her pregnant. Nobody noticed she was pregnant. She had it. I was like, dang. And it was over a week. But the story kept getting smaller, smaller, and smaller. And I was like, this is like very important, more important than um, Juice. To me, it was a bigger story than Juice. And right now, nobody talks about that. No, no young black males, no black males talk about um, black females like we should. We need to take more responsibility for our sisters because if we don't, who will? Also, Dion Evans, the producer of the song, actually did an interview with the Tupac Forum channel, YouTube channel, back in 2013. And here's what he had to say about the creation and making of the song as well. It was, it was one of those, mid- I know it was, a, it was no, one of those midnight sessions over at Starlight where we recorded it. He had uh, Dave Hollister from the group uh, Black Street came and sang on the song and this other girl named Ronice yeah. she sang on the song as well and uh but i mean that's you know the whole idea was pox idea like don't you know she got a baby that was all pox idea well everything was like pox idea you know like i said he was he, he's always thinking about something like you know what i mean or he because i remember him singing humming that melody you know what i mean don't you know she got a don't you know she got a baby i don't know that was a that was a tupac idea so. one of the crazy things about this though that little half dead released an album in 2012 called dead serious so on the album cover, you see a man here is in the studio. You see the boards here. 
They see a man here with a white shirt on and he appears to be shot in the head or shot to death. Now many can argue, oh this is just a man in a white shirt. But when you compare to this picture here, it almost looks like this was the sample that they used for that imagery on that album. And this was the June 10th, 1996 recording session in which Tupac recorded many songs like Why You Turn On Me, Reincarnation, as well as Untouchable. Alright guys, so now I'm going to tell you why I don't think that Tupac actually stole the lyrics. It could be very well that Lil Half Dead had his own concept of a song back then, possibly around the same time period. That happens with rappers. Rappers will get the same idea for certain songs and themes. And even though they may come out on different beats and in different ways, they may feel like someone stole from them or heard their song. Because songs get passed around, especially with unsigned rappers and rappers that are trying to make it come up. Demos and stuff like that may be passed around from rapper to rapper, label to label. And sometimes people do steal songs from songs that they may hear from these demo tapes. But Tupac being as legendary as he was with recording over 700 songs, it's highly doubtful that he had anybody write for him besides Ray Love on Trapped. And it's highly unlikely that he would actually steal lyrics from somebody else. Now besides all these people associated with Tupac debunking this, one of the main reasons why I think this conspiracy is complete bullshit is because Tupac actually penned a similar type theme and song in 1987. And this is a song that he did with Dana M. Smith for the Born Busy project, which was him and his friends just bullshitting on a tape recorder, just having a good time. They recorded their vocals without a beat, and it's very sloppy because he was young, he was around 16, 17 years old at the time, way before he actually had a record deal. And you'll see here with this song, the elements and the concept is very similar to Brenda's Got a Baby. This rhyme is dedicated to those ladies. Baby had babies. Things weren't. Copyright 1987. Written by Tupac Shakur, Dana M. Smith. Babies! <laughs> having babies! Babies! 16, 17! Having babies! It's a shame. Slick D, tell them. Listen, fellas, protect your ladies. Doesn't mean you love them. More! Because you're born in the slum doesn't mean you gotta stay. You gotta rise above it all and keep it that way. Society has a way of killing a hope for has a lady. Expected. A fellow. New generation leading the nation. We can't do it on our own. We need participation. Babies having babies. Who can you blame? EO and the house started. Damn, it's the same. We're not trying to see you wrong. So don't act ill. But you better use a condom. Because babies can kill. Don't have to be your homosexual, could be intellectual, probably use a rubber whenever you get sexual. Women should be thankful for the lives I create, shouldn't be left up to a mess up or a stupid mistake. I swear I get mad whenever I hear that a girl had a baby and the father don't care. See, for him, it's a trophy to put in his home, but for her, it's a life she's left with alone. So, fellas, listen to the rhyme, because you're to blame. Why? Babies have a baby. Damn, it's a shame. So, this shame. to me actually proves that Tupac already had the idea in his head way before he actually heard about the story of the 12 year old girl that dumped the baby in the trash compactor. And you can see, this is something that the LAPD failed to pick up on before making this wild accusation and theory. And this wouldn't be the only time that Tupac actually had the same type of message in his songs. He also used a similar type theme for his song, Baby Don't Cry, as well as Mama Just a Little Girl from 1996. So what do you guys feel about this theory? Do you think that Tupac was killed by Lil' Half Dead because they had two songs that shared some of the same lyrics or the same type of theme? Or maybe Tupac stole these lyrics from another rapper. Drop your comments below. This is DJ Scanlon signing out. Peace out. Hey guys, if you haven't noticed, I do have a YouTube channel memberships. Under my video, there's a join option there. And this will have different tiers. In regard to emojis on live streams and commenting, you'll get a Tupac, Ice Cube, Snoop Dogg emoji, depending on how many months you've been subscribed to my YouTube membership as well as upgraded tiers, which will feature uncut and non-released remixes in the future and exclusive videos. Also, don't forget to peep my new merch. I have straight out West Side merch, as well as make hip hop and rap great again.
Alright guys, so we're checking out the Sun website right now. And the title reads, He's a Snake, Tupac shaded by Snoop Dogg over his use of misogynistic lyrics, fans claim. Snoop Dogg has been accused of throwing his rapper and friend Tupac under the bus during a discussion about the late rapper's use of misogynistic lyrics. The Drop It Like It's Hot hitmaker was speaking to actress Jada Pickett Smith, who was also Tupac's lifelong friend, about the hip-hop's music use of misogynistic and derogatory terms. Further down, it says the rapper has admitted that he sometimes butted heads with his frequent collaborator and close friend over the word B-I-T-C-H and the word H-O-E. I don't want to get this demonetized or anything, but okay, bitch. He explained on the Red Table Talk, even me and Pac got into it because he was like, he wanted me to stay gangster. I was like, cuz, I got a baby on the way, I just beat a murder case, I have a lot to live for. He had no kids. Which that right there is kind of a slight too because, you know, obviously Tubac didn't have kids. So that's not something that he would have wanted to stay alive for in that regard. So I understand Snoop's side of the things with that. Maybe that's something that Tupac could have got to if he stayed alive longer and actually had children of his own. And Tupac was always rapping about dying or about his death. He kind of predicted it in many songs and interviews. So maybe on one hand he was at peace with it. But I think he had a lot to live for. For himself, for his family, for his friends, as well as his passion for music and acting. Alright, so further on, it says, Jada Pickett Smith said, Pac and I used to get into his usage of the word bitch and HOE. We got into it hardcore. Snoop jumped in and replied, yeah, because he could give you this beautiful record and then turn around and use those terms. But we was torn though because he wasn't talking about you, but he had to talk about those that were out there. And that's definitely true because if you listen to his song from 1996 on All Eyes of Me, Wonder Why They Call You Bitch, he basically tells you the difference between a bitch and a regular female. One being... A gold digger and is after your money and using you and lying to you and another one just being real and straight up with you. And then Jada goes on to say that Tupac's definition of those terms, it made no sense. Fans weren't too impressed with the comments and one wrote, Did Snoop Dogg try to throw a great Tupac's name under the bus during a Red Table interview? Another one wrote, Snoop is jealous of Pac. Snoop is a whole snake for this. Another one commented, Suck up for mentioning Pac. What does Pac have to do with any of this? And then another fan actually defended Snoop and says, Tupac's not even live, so why did he throw him under the bus? He just brought up some past stuff. That's all he did. Why y'all getting all uncomfortable? And here's a brief clip of the Red Table Talk here. So it's kind of hard to, like, take those words out of the equation when I got to do shows that people love that song right. with those words. But once you become a grown man and you realize that your words have power. The repercussions. And you have power. Then you have to pull back. And even me and Pac got into it because he was like, he wanted me to stay gangster. And I was like, cuz, I got a baby on the way. Yes. I just beat a murder case. I have a lot to live for. Right. He had no kids. Pac and I used to get into his usage of, right. we got into it hardcore. I'm because talking Because he could about give you this beautiful record. Yes. And, and turn then turn around. Go, and I was like, what are you doing? And I, he's like, I'm not talking about you. Ooh. And it's, 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 we was torn, though. Like, right, to but, be able to do this and that, it's like he wasn't talking about you, but he had to talk to those that was out there. What do you guys think? Do you think this was very unfair of Snoop Dogg to actually throw Tupac's name out there in a conversation that really didn't involve Tupac at all? And of course, Snoop Dogg goes on to say that, you know, by 96, you know, he had a baby on the way and he had a family and he just beat a murder case. But then Snoop Dogg was still using those terms even after Tupac died, when Snoop Dogg was on No Limit Records, he was still using B-I-T-C-H-H-O-E. And Snoop actually still used this maybe a couple weeks ago after Kobe Bryant's death. And this occurred when Gail King did an interview about Kobe Bryant following his passing. As you know, Kobe Bryant had a turbulent time early in his career 
A way for me to say this without getting demonetized, a girl actually accused Kobe Bryant of forcing himself on her back around 2003, even though at the time he believed it to be consensual. He was never convicted of anything. Life went on, Kobe Bryant rebuilt his image and his legacy, and then as soon as he won an Oscar, it got brought up again, and then it got swept under the rug again, and now after his tragic passing that occurred last month, they bring it up yet again. And of course Snoop Dogg took offense to this because Snoop Dogg is a big time Kobe fan and he felt like it was Gail King attacking her own kind instead of being supportive of one another. And I agree with Snoop. Snoop was right to say everything he said because I think it's a ballsy move. It's inconsiderate, especially when so many families have been affected by the tragic pets and Kobe and everyone on board of the helicopter crash. That you go and you bring up all these accusations and all these incidents in Kobe's life. And really it just seemed like Gail trying to cash in on a situation as well as a TV provider and a TV station. Because what better way to make dollars than uses a guy that just passed away and that's all over the news. And Snoop basically called her a bitch and said, we coming for you. And then he took it all back because he felt the pressure of the media getting to him. Now like I said, I'm, I was all for Snoop Dogg saying what he said and I still stand behind that. This is such a generation where everybody's guilty until proven innocent and it should be the other way around. But like I said, he used that situation to mention Tupac and his word usage and vocabulary using those terms throughout his career. But then yet Snoop Dogg said the same word not even a month ago. And that wasn't even in the record. That was on Instagram. So was it bad timing? Is Snoop Dogg being hypocritical? Being a two-faced? Or do you feel like he was just telling a story? Alright, so before we get into this video, I want to apologize for the lack of content on my channels lately. I've been sick with the flu for the last two weeks. Finally got over it. So I'm going to try to do this short video here. May do a video about Tupac and Joe to see and Tupac and John B later in this week, as well as upload new beats and another video on my DJ Scanless page. So I did a video months back detailing why the Tupac estate was actually going to sue Universal Music Group, the owners of Tupac's catalog dating back from 1989-1990 all the way to 1995. And he also owned some death row content from the greatest hits and things like that. And the unreleased 1995 and 1996 content that actually appeared on his albums from 1997 all the way to 2007. And if you aren't familiar with the story or if you don't want to check out my old video, there was a recent investigation in a 2008 fire at Universal Music Group's Hollywood Warehouse that left hundreds of thousands of master tapes destroyed. And this caused the estate of Tupac Shakur and Tom Petty as well as Soundgarden and Hole to do a class action lawsuit against Universal Music Group for $100 million. Which many of them felt like Either their master recordings were destroyed or or their video masters were also destroyed, which if they ever wanted to remaster the videos and put them on YouTube or make new versions, they would not actually have the masters to actually do that if they burned up in the fire. So in this video on Pitchfork, we got back in June sound guard of Steve Earl on Hole, as well as the state of Tupac Shakur and former wife of Tom Petty sued Universal Music Group. Hole dropped out of suit in August solely based on UMG's written assurances to plaintiffs counsel that no whole master recordings were lost in the fire. Now two more plaintiffs, Soundgarden and the estate of Tupac Shakur, have pulled out of the class action lawsuit, according to documents viewed by Pitchfork. No reason was given a legal filing for their decision. The lawsuit alleges that artists were never informed by Universal Music Group that their masters had been damaged in the fire, and that Universal Music Group had breached its contractual obligations to artists by failing to protect their masters. And this is a big thing for artists when a music label owns their actual recordings. The artist doesn't have much say in what happens to their recordings or where they're stored at and whatever. But in this day and age, there's a lot of things that are kept online and that are digitally stored on servers and stuff like that. So a company like Universal Music Group, even though they will lose physical masters, probably have backup versions and demo versions and 
the overall layers of the song stored on their internal server that their labels can get access to. So that's one of the beauties of technology that perhaps that even if songs were lost, they still have a version of it still left that they can do something with in the future. I'm not sure if this is what actually the reason why the Tupac Estate pulled out. Maybe Universal Music Group had copies and different versions available of the content that may actually have been lost. But I would love to see what was actually burned in the fire compared to what they should have. And the thing with Tupac that he has so many unreleased songs. He has unreleased verses for well-known songs that already came out, like Run the Streets has an extra verse. Hit Em Up has an alternate version that's completely different than the radio version or the explicit version that was released. So it would be so easy for a bunch of suits and ties at Universal or Interscope Records to gloss over a song because it shares the same beat or shares the same lyrics or shares the same title or just it's already released and not realize that there's extra vocals there or it's a totally different song or there's an extra verse. So if they don't have someone that's really knowledgeable and meticulous about it, there very well could have been songs lost that they don't even know about or extra verses that they never even heard before because they just think it's already released. So I would love to see how they actually broke down what was lost, what was not, compared to what the estate thought was lost. And from what I know with the estate, everything's all over the place with who owns what, who needs to be paid, as well as who has different recordings of Tupac. Different producers and engineers have stuff that the estate doesn't even actually have. But overall, I think this is a good win-win for everybody because I feel like if the Tupac estate won a lawsuit against Universal, then Universal would have been reluctant to actually release any future Tupac albums of content that they actually own. As of right now, the Tupac estate only owns the unreleased Death Row content, I believe, and Universal Music Group owns the songs from 1990 all the way to 1994, 1995, Me Against the World, as well as songs on the greatest hits, Until Then Time, Better Days, Are You Still Down, Pac's Life, Lord of the Game, all that. So probably the estate could actually release their own Tupac albums without Universal Music Group being a distributor if they wanted to, but then again, they might actually want them to be a part of it because they can actually fund the album properly and market it properly. And having a whole lawsuit like this will probably get in the way of that type of relationship. So what do you guys think? Do you feel like the Tupac estate should never have dropped out if some songs were destroyed or maybe they weren't even destroyed at all. Maybe they have duplicates and copies. Or do you think it may actually been a good thing so that they can repair their relationship with the Universal Music Group, the owners of most of the Tupac content that you find online and on his albums? Drop your comments below. This is DJ Skinner signing out. Peace out.